Warning. This, 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 this is the Rich Logist Show. The content you are about to hear has been deemed dangerous and inappropriate to Democrats and Tessio Republicans. Listener discretion is advised. And now, your host and equal opportunity offender, Rich Logis. Welcome to the Rich Logis Show. I am your host, Rich Logis. I hope everybody out there is doing great on this Friday. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to keep a promise I can't make. But I. I truly believe if you're, if if you ain't sitting down, you got to sit down for this episode. This is going to be one of our best shows ever, and that is a. Uh, a credit and a testament to you guys out there. You're a great and loyal and devoted audience. Thank you so much for all the comments week in and week out. If you're not subscribed or others you know aren't subscribed, you got to get them to the ritualofthishow.com. Please, all our podcast articles, everything's there. Tonight on our newsletter, we're going to have today's show. We're going to have our most recent Tessio Tuesday video. Don't worry, we got a brand new Tessio Republican for you today on our second segment. Got a brand new article came out today. Thank you. To the folks in American Thinker. It's a follow-up to our actually today's a sequel. Today's a sequel to our Monday show. The article is a follow-up to our red flag law segment we did Monday. And I entitled it Red Flag Laws. Too good to be true. What have what have we learned about in life? 40% rate of return. You know, like Bernie Madoff, right? You know, it, it was now you look back, it was too good to be true, right? You know, uh, this 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 uh you know, this rate of return and 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 this advantage, whatever it is, right? It, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Isn't that what we've learned? And it all, isn't it funny? It always turns out that way. You know, oh, it's, it's like Lucy and, and Charlie Brown with the football. Is this the, is this the one? Is this the, no, didn't get it again. It's too good to be true. Red flag laws. We did that segment Monday. Got to check it out. com. We'll have a brand new article on that tonight. And the other part of our sequel today, which we had as a segment from this past Monday, Democrat judicial activism is losing that was the segment so we had judicial democrat judicial activism's losing red flag was too good to be true from our monday show and with today being the sequel let's get right into let's get right into our first segment today you know i always make this quote as joke from the the comedian george carlin one of the best ever we we played a clip from george carlin doing environmentalism last week it's it's his environmentalism skit you got to see it if you haven't seen it he always had this funny joke he'd say. So, you know, I'm ahead of my time, but only by an hour and a half. Well, our Constitution, first off, let me wish our Constitution a happy belated birthday, 232 years old. But unlike the joke that George Carlin would say, ahead of our time, but only by an hour and a half, our Constitution is always ahead of its time. So happy belated birthday, to the most remarkable contract of guaranteed freedoms in man's history. Now, there's a lot of narrative out there about our Constitution. You know, you have politicians, you have attorneys, you have media figures. I hope what I'm going to bring you in that right now for the, for the next few minutes about our Constitution is going to be some narrative. You know, maybe you haven't thought of it this way. And I, I give a lot of thought to this. Our production team, we work our asses off, guys, to give you content you ain't hearing from anyone or anywhere else. I always say four-dimensional commentary. There's always something going on in the background. What you see is the third dimension. There's always something in the background. We look to bring it to the forefront because there's always something else. There's always a play. It's like Shakespeare when you when you had the mousetrap in Hamlet, the play within the play. You know, for all the BS narratives from Democrats, and this has been going on for years, for all the BS narratives from Democrats, and their democrat and the and their judicial activists like the ones we talked about last week for all their bs about the need to update our constitution our constitution is actually the most ahead of its time political opus in world history our co- what i'm about to say you guys are not, you probably never thought you'd ever hear this at the rich logis show so let me preface with that. Again, if you ain't sitting down, you got to take a seat for this next statement. You, you're thinking you never would hear this, but I'm going to say it. Our Constitution actually is, get ready for it, the most progressive. Yes, I'm using the word progressive. Our Constitution is the most progressive collection of individual liberties ever 
constructed in the history of man, but it's actual progress. See, reasonable people, America First Nationalism is not against progress. We are not against progress. What Democrats sell as progressive is a regression. That's what it is. So for all this crap about you got to update it and it's, it's archaic, doesn't keep up with the times, that's all incorrect. It's actually the most ahead of its time. It's the most ahead of its time contract of guaranteed liberties. It is the basis for the constitutions of other nations that have existed for far longer than we. You know, these Democrat politicians, you hear them, and this is especially true with the stretch limousine liberal, Breadline Bernard Sanders. He's always talking about this and that in Canada and, and that and that in Switzerland and this and that in Denmark. And look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we can't look to other, if other places are, are, are doing something, okay, you could take a look at it. But all these places don't have 300 plus million people, the largest economy in the world, the most diverse, America's the most, we're already diverse. Like none of these places have any of that. So if you show me a place with 300 plus million, Free markets, oh, you know, we admit two, uh, uh, we admit a legal immigrant every two seconds of every day, 24 seven. So when you show me a country like that, that's doing something better than we are, I'll be, I'll listen. I'm interested. These Democrat politicians are talking about these, these, they are not, they're not, they sound good because the useful idiots will cheer anything and believe anything, but they always prattle on. These Democrat politicians always prattle on about how America needs to be like such and such country. And that and that country. But remember, ladies and gentlemen, that the the country that these Democrats prattle on about has probably based its system of government, just like Canada has, it's probably based its system of system of government and free markets on our model. So it is actually the most progressive collection of liberties ever constructed. And that's why I always say the the founders of America were the original liberals. It's why you don't hear me really refer to Democrats as liberal. You don't hear me refer to the Democrat media industrial complex as liberal. I don't have a problem with it. It's not like someone says liberal. Oh, don't say that. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to police your speech. But what I am saying is that when you look at the basis of true liberalism, true liberal, liberalism always errs on the side of freedom. When you think about the original liberals, whichever one of your favorites, right? Whether it's Jefferson, or Washington, or Hamilton, or Adams, whichever one you like, any of them. Do you really, are are you thinking about Babo, Beto O'Rourke, when you're thinking about Jefferson? I mean, did, when you look at Joe Biden, do you think, man, he reminds me just like John Adams. Of course you're not. So I don't really like using that word. But here's what, it, he, and, and, and the follow-up folks to the, the Democrat judicial activist segment I did last week, See, this whole narrative about having to update, modernize, you have to understand what that's about. I gotta, I'm gonna play a couple clips for you here from Justice Neil Gorsuch, whom I've really become a fan of. I know I'm a little geeky. I, I don't read every one of them, but I read, I, I do read parts of and segments of Supreme Court rulings. And I gotta say something about Justice Gorsuch. I, I would not, I would not want to go head to head with that guy because he, he, he's kind of a, how do I say this like in a respectful way? Like he he has actually said to lawyers in the Supreme Court that they're inventing legal statute on the spot. So he he's not like he doesn't really care about the lawyer's feelings. I think he respects the law. He respects it, but he's become one of my faves, I gotta say. So I'll play a clip for you in a moment here, but this whole entire narrative of update, modernize, it isn't, it is again, folks. The issue is never the issue. It's not to modernize it. It's not about horse and buggy and bayonets. It's the entire, the entire propaganda push behind updating the Constitution. It always comes back to the three goals. What are the three Democrat goals? At this point now, if you've been listening to the Ritz Logis show for a while, you got to know these three. But let me remind you, three goals they've always had and they always will have Democrats. Take our children, take our money, and take our freedoms. So there's, there's two ways of going about this. 
You look at our Constitution as living and breathing. It's a living and breathing organism. It's organic, right? That, that's, that's legal tyranny is what that is. That's legal tyranny. And here's why it's legal tyranny. Let me play a clip from Justice Gorsuch from a few weeks ago. He's got a new book out, and it's entitled A Republic If You Can Keep It. So here's Justice Gorsuch talking about the rule of law just recently. Take a listen. The, the, the wonder of the rule of law in this country is its consistency over time. And as troublesome as sometimes our times may seem, and as difficult as they may appear to us, this country has been through a lot of challenges and always risen resiliently to them, whether it's the civil rights movement, surviving through our civil war, or today's challenges. Whatever they may be, I've got great confidence in America. And I say to those who don't, look elsewhere. Where else would you rather be? I'm, I'm kind of laughing because I know he didn't say it this way, and and I'm, you know, I, I know I know there in the narrative with Ilhan Omar there was the you know send send her back which you know I, I'm not a big you know I'm not honestly the biggest fan of that narrative truthfully but I don't think the president is either but Justice Gorsuch says at the end you know where would you where else would you rather be you know you know get out of here if you don't like it basically is what he's saying right but in his nice eloquent way much more eloquent than the Rich Loges show and he's talking about the rule of law. Right, the, the, and the basis of that is our Constitution, how it remains consistent despite challenges. And then, so you've got you've got legal tyranny, living and breathing Constitution. And the title of his book, for those of you who aren't aware, what a republic, if you can keep it, is in 1787 at Independence Hall in Philadelphia. There was a lady who asked Ben Franklin, Doctor Franklin, is the United States a monarchy? Or a republic. And Franklin's answer to the lady, it was a big hall, so everyone was listening. Franklin's answer to the lady was, to the question, is the United States a republic or a monarchy? His answer was, a republic if you can keep it. That's what Franklin said. So that's what the title of the Gorsuch book, book is, is based on. So you got that part right there. So you got legal tyranny living and breathing. But then you've got the other side. And the other side is, is what the, the, what the framers intended, which is constitutional originalism, textualism. And, and I'll let Justice Gorsuch essentially describe for you what that is. This is also a recent interview on his book, on his little book tour, talking about originalism with our constitution. Take a listen. You call yourself, like your predecessor, an originalist. You took some criticism, folks will remember, during your confirmation process, uh, that that would be bringing us back to the horse and buggy days. Has your approach to the law kept up with the modern pace and changing technology and, and the modern world in general? I am an originalist, and everything you said is nonsense. Mm. <laughs> now, here's why, okay? And why you should be an originalist, okay. too, all right? What's the alternative? What, what, what is originalism? Originalism is just the idea that we have a written constitution. Our founders wrote it down, and they made a charter among we the people. This is what we agree to, and what the government's powers are, and what they're not, mm -hmm. and what our rights are. And originalism just says, honor what's written there. Honor those words. Don't make stuff up and don't take things away. That's the idea. See, note, notice what's really said there, ladies and gentlemen, because it's it, it always comes back to the three goals. It always comes back to how do Democrats what how do Democrats envision? So you gotta think about how Democrats view the relationship between the people and government. Democrats want the people fearing government. That's why Democrats will always sell this concept that your rights and your freedoms come from government. Well, we on the Nationalist America First side, we wholly and unequivocally reject that. And our Constitution, as most progressive most truly liberal, most ahead of its time document. It's always been ahead of its time. The Constitution in its 232 years has always been ahead of its time. It, in fact, it's more ahead of its time today than ever before, but it's also never been more so under attack as it is right now. And it must be fiercely defended and more, and more fiercely defended and more fiercely preserved than ever before. So when you listen to Democrats talk about 
the relationship between the people and the government. You hear, what you hear is you, they want you fearing the government. The politicians, the, the Democrat politicians and the candidates, they talk about the confiscation of private property. We're going to take your guns. They, they shoo away like a, like a fly in their Chardonnay. They shoo away guaranteed constitutional rights as inconveniences. They regurgitate the same problems ad nauseum, but they only offer quote unquote solutions designed to take our children money and freedoms. The Democrat jurisprudence of our constitution this idea that rights come from government is antithetical to our constitution. It's why I say the Democrat ideology is antithetical to the intent of the founders. It isn't, comp- in no way, shape, or form is it comportable because when you listen to Justice Gorsuch, when you hear him speak very correctly, in my opinion, he said, you want to change? Amend the Constitution. The late great venerable Justice Scalia was always asked about this. And he was all, and, and everyone always complained and lamented the Justice Scalia. And, and, and they'd say, you know, the, 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 the lamentations always were, but, 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 uh, Mr. Justice, it's very hard to change the Constitution and amend it. And Scalia would always say, as it should be, it should be hard because the Constitution is a negative construct. So government, uh, uh, excuse me, Democrats believe your rights come from government. The founder said, no, 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 no. Government can't take your rights because you don't get your rights from government. There are certain inherent rights by virtue of being a human being in the natural order. That sounds actually very scientific. The party of science, Democrat. No. In reality, the, the, the original, you know, the original group of, 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 of science-based thinking was really our founders. And look, I know there's, there's documents and people who influence the constitution. You had, you know, the Magna Carta years, you know, back in the, I think the 1300s, right? It was a long, long time ago. And you had, you know, you had the enlightenment thinkers, John Locke, you had philosophers. Of course, they were influenced by the Greek philosophers. So the founders understood history. You know, they were students of all this and they took, think about it. Our revolution, our, our foundational year was 1776. Constitution, right? All these years later, you're talking about, so it was 1787. So it was over a decade. So the founders, the framers of the Constitution spent about 4,000 days trying to figure this out. This wasn't like, oh, he got drunk last night. What'd you come up with? No, they spent a long, long time. And I honestly think, guys, I really think that the framers, I think they're looking down right. I don't speak for anyone except myself here at the Rich Logic Show, but I got to tell you, I think the framers are looking down. Probably having a, I don't know, probably in a pint. Maybe they're having a nice whiskey, maybe a single malt scotch. Right? They're probably looking down. And here's what I think: if I had, a, if I had to give you a, a singular summation of what they're probably thinking, looking down right now, you know what they're probably thinking? They're probably saying, you know, we told you so, you idiots. We told you so. We told you that is that the more you stray from these foundational principles, principles that have more influenced the rest of the world than any other document ever created in the history of mankind, ladies and gentlemen. It needs to be updated. Wrong. It's actually the most ahead-of-its-time document ever. I think they're looking down, saying, you idiots, we told you so. And I went and looked at as a side note, because, you know, I'm playing these clips from Justice Gorsuch, right? You're, he's an originalist. He's a textualist. You interpret the text. You interpret it based on its, on its intent. Here's what the words meant. If you don't like it, amend the Constitution. It's hard to do that, as it should be. As it should, correct, it should be, because the Constitution is a document to protect. This is why it's true liberalism. It's designed to protect the minority from the tyranny of the majority. It's actually utterly genius when you really actually look at the thought process the 4,000 days that the framers took between 1776 and the time this thing was born it's genius and I went and looked at some of the some of the some of the Democrats on social media so I went and looked at my congressman Ted Deutsch I don't know Ted Deutsch personally but I, I gotta tell you I think he's I think he's a loathsome human being I don't know him maybe it's unfair to say that but I just, I look at, you know, I'm a pretty good judge of character, I think. And I look at this guy, I think, man, this guy is a loathsome human being. I mean, here's how he described our Constitution on his social media. I'm going to read you the quote. Here's what he said. 
On this day, 232 years ago, our Constitution was signed, laying out the legal framework for our democratic system. As a nation, we are always striving to become a more perfect union. I'm committed to doing my part to ensure that all Americans are protected equally under the law. That was, t- that was, that was Deutsch's quote. Now, okay, look, compare, <laughs> compare what he said to this segment. You listen to this segment here. I'm like a ranting and raving lunatic in terms of my love for this constitution. Right, this imperfectly perfect document, and there's Ted Deutsch. Oh, 232 years ago, it was laid. It was it was we laid out the legal. I mean, Ted, try to contain your excitement. Theodore describes our Constitution like a patient whose endontist ran out of Novocaine the day of his root canal. Like, imagine you're in the chair, you're buckled up, he pushes you back, right? All you're staring at is the light. You think, you know, you're probably having an almost out-of-body experience, and all of a sudden, the endontist comes in, getting ready for the root canal, and he says, hey, Rich, I just want you to know, we just ran out of Novocaine. You still cool with doing this? That's how, that's how Deutsch describes the Constitution, Right, it's like when Obama talked about. Remember when Obama talked about the Second Amendment a few years ago? He said, "I believe in the Second Amendment. It's there, written on the paper." Uh, and okay, Mr. President, uh, and like that's it. It's on the paper. Wow! Try to contain, sir. Try to contain your excitement, uh, Theodore. Try to contain your excitement for this. But, ladies and gentlemen, in keeping with the spirit. See the see here's here here's something about I'm not going to say the founders were clairvoyant but they they understood you know they understood human nature they understood history human nature ain't any ain't any different today from it was back then and that's what the entire idea of a republic if you can keep it is really all about and the framers forewarned us of this day. I know they didn't know who the Obamas and the Clintons and the Sanders and the Bidens and the Schiffs and the Nadlers and the Pelosi's. I know they didn't know these people by name, but they understood that those kinds of people, they were the clear and they would become the clear and present dangers to the safety and security and sovereignty of our nation. Our founders predicted what is happening today because they understood that over time, when god-awful people and god-awful ideologies are not challenged, when, they're, when they go unchecked, when they're allowed to fester and infest and infiltrate, they understood that the more and more that happens, the more the masses will stray from the foundational principles. They knew it. It's why I believe they're looking down now and they're saying, man, we took all that time, fought that war. All these other Americans from the time then to now died, sacrificed life and limb, sacrificed. And you're letting these Democrats, these Tessio Republicans, you're allowing them to rewrite and revise and whitewash like education historical terrorists. You're allowing them to change before our very eyes what was what the intent was of this constitution, self-rule, self-governing, self-regulation. So as we go into 2020, ladies and gentlemen, it ain't, it don't end in 2020, just like it didn't end in 2016. And it's the question I asked last week. Are we just happy to be here or do we want to run the damn score up? Because I got a pretty good feeling that when it comes to our constitution, and again, I don't speak for anyone except myself, but I think the framers, I don't think they'd object whatsoever to running up the score on all of our constitutional liberties, which are guaranteed, non-negotiable, and they are God-given. They do not come from government. They come within, if you, if you don't believe in God, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong. That's fine. But they are inherent in the natural order of human beings. So when Franklin said it, when he said it all the way back then in 1787, a republic, if you can keep it. Let's try to, let's do our part, ladies and gentlemen, to ensure that this republic is not just preserved, that our sovereignty is not just preserved, that it's not just kept, but that it is strengthened 
You want an issue to get excited about? You want to go up against you want to go up against the opposition. I can name numerous. You listen to this show enough, you got plenty of issues to keep you up at night. Just look at what the Democrats have done and are continuing to try to do to our constitution. It is our republic. It is created by the founders, the greatest collection of men to ever assemble in the history of the world. We owe it to all of those to keep this republic strong, to keep it preserved and to ensure that going forward in the future, we continue to strengthen it as we go along on this journey. You're listening to The Ritzologist Show. We'll be right back. Here is this week's American Hero. Welcome back to The Ritzologist Show, guys. You know, we do this American Hero segment every episode because there are so many around us who say that America was never a great nation. If you listen to our first segment today, you'll know for sure that is a bunch of BS. We do not believe that here. Got a story for you today about a heroic serviceman. Master Sergeant Luis De Leon, a Massachusetts native, joined the United States Army in 2006. In 2014, he became a Green Beret. De Leon saw action in some of the most dangerous parts of the world. He was twice deployed to Afghanistan, twice to South America, as well as Iraq. He was assigned to the 1st Battalion, 7th Special Forces Group. Last month, on August 21st, while in the Firib province of Afghanistan, De Leon was patrolling an area known to be a hotbed of homegrown violence. A gunfight broke out, and De Leon was hit several times. Though he continued fighting while bleeding, he was eventually tended to by medical staff. Later in the day, he was pronounced dead. He was 31. As a soldier, De Leon was highly decorated, having received the Bronze Star Medal, the Army Commendation Medal with Valor, the Afghanistan Campaign Medal, and the Iraq Campaign Medal, also with the NATO Medal. At his memorial service, De Leon was remembered as a loving family man who equally loved his country. He is survived by his fiancée, two daughters aged two and nine, and a stepdaughter. In this week's American Hero segment, the Ritz Logis Show proudly recognizes United States Army Green Beret Luis de Leon, who gave his life and service to our nation. We as Americans enjoy our many freedoms because of heroes such as de Leon, and we owe it to he and all of our service men and women to fight to preserve the liberties they risked and gave their lives to defend. And as a postscript, in the month of August, American casualties hit their highest level in Afghanistan since 2014. We support President Trump's sincere wish to end the never-ending war in Afghanistan. You're listening to The Rich Logis Show. We'll be right back. TheRichLogisShow.com Deemed dangerous and inappropriate to Democrats and Tessio Republicans. Welcome back to The Rich Logis Show, guys. We, we salute great man, Green Beret, American hero. You know, I got two daughters. I got two daughters. And I, when I, sometimes our American hero segments, you know, sometimes they got a happy ending. Sometimes they don't. And, and, you know, in our mind, all sacrifices are, are, they may be different in how it happened, but essentially it's the, it's the same end result, especially if they are survivors. You know, I have two daughters. I look at a case like the Green Beret, Sergeant De Leon, and I think, you know, having two daughters, you know, these are, these are girls who are, their, their father risked and gave his life in service to our nation. And, 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 uh, you think about, you know, you think about how many truly spend their lives sacrificing, whether they're in the service or not, military or not, and then their loved ones, you know, their relatives, their, their, their husbands, their wives, their moms, dads, their sons, their daughters, you know, their siblings, their close friends. And, and and it's it's it is it, you, you think about how much it's just unimaginable how much sacrifice has really gone into it's it's hard to calculate really how much has really gone into the preservation of this republic you know if you can keep it trust me i got a feeling that franklin he understood the kind of sacrifice that it would take the framers understood it the founders understood it. They knew that it was... See, the founders, I don't believe they were negative or, or pessimistic. I just think they were realistic. I think they knew deep down that the odds were that the republic 
probably wouldn't survive. Because again, in history, Adams actually talked about this in the early 1800s. He talked about how democracies, and even though we're not a democracy, but he was talking in a historical context, you know, Adams said in the early 1800s that democracies always commit suicide. That's how he described it. He said it all, they always commit suicide. And the founders understood another keen, they were keenly aware of this point also, this next point. They understood that if the republic were to fall, it would most likely fall from within than from the exterior. Now, of course, the founders understood all enemies, foreign and domestic. But I think they actually believed more. So when you look at the writings, you look at the Federalist Papers, you know, the thought process that went into the construction of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and you look at our Declaration of Independence, everything that happened, because remember, the Constitution is the, the little brother of Declaration of Independence, or a little sister, I guess, you know, depending on what you would have, a little brother. So they knew this, right? They knew that it was likely to, to collapse from within. And do you guys think, as we head into our second segment, this, this, this right here, I, I was, man, I was so, I was so happy. Did you guys see the other night? The president was in New Mexico. The titular head of the Republican Party, right? Donald Trump, our president, was talking about the Democrats, talking about the issues. He, you know, the usual listing, laundry list of, of accomplishments and promises that were made and promises that were kept. But he had a moment where he talked about Republicans. Our Republican president had a moment where he talked about Republicans. Let me play the clip from the New Mexico rally. Here's the president. Take a listen. And then I hate to say this, but we have some Republicans. They're not good. You call them a rhino. They're rhinos. The rhinos are worse. And some of them are worse than the Obama people, right? They're worse than the Obama people. They're worse than the Clinton people. But there aren't too many of them left. They're pretty much on respirators. They're gasping. They're gasping for air. But we do have some bad people that uh, you wouldn't believe. (laughs) I didn't hear you. What did you say? What? I didn't hear that. Now, now, see, I love that. Now, I know the president didn't exactly go into detail on on why they're you know why they're on life support, why they're on a respirator, why are they gasping for air, and 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 I think guy. And look, we got to test the Republican for you in a moment. Don't worry about that. But as part of a broader conversation to have with you for a moment, you know, the president called out the Tessio Republicans. I was talking to someone today about you know why call why why we call them Tessio Republicans. You know, not. Fredo Republicans, right? And, and Fredo was just an idiot. He betrayed Michael. That is true. He betrayed the family, but it was unintentional. He didn't mean to do it. I'm not saying it's, you know, right or whatever. I'm just saying the intent was there. Well, you know what? Sal Tessio, he, he intentionally betrayed Michael and he intentionally betrayed the family. And the president is up there talking about these Republicans. And you know, guys, look, I'm not a, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm very fascinated by these disciplines, but I'm not, I'm not formally trained in any of them. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. But these Tessios, these, some of these Republicans the president's talking about, you know, imagine, imagine for a moment something. Imagine living your life totally obsessed by what those who will never buy from you or vote for you think about you. Imagine that was your, you wake up, you wake up, right? You start your day, right? You're a politician, right? You're a member of Congress, let's say. You you start your day, you know, you put your tie, your shirt on, you know, or, you know, if you're a lady, your dress pants, your dress, whatever. And you go out into the world, you go out to your job, you go out into the, you know, into the country, you go out to your, where your, your area, your constituents are, and you're obsessed, utterly obsessed by what those who will never vote for you think about you. They would, they would vote for Genghis Khan before they vote for you. It is an utterly bizarre utopian worldview that these Republicans have. It's so, it's so Tessio Republicanism. It's the embodiment of it. You know, and, and think about what's going on. You know, think about what's happening right now with this so-called whistleblower story. You guys saw this yesterday. Something has to do with Ukraine and, and there are right now, right now, there are tens of millions of Americans, tens of millions of Democrats specifically, and unfortunately some Republicans, tens of millions, if they were given the opportunity, 
right now. They said, okay, without any, you have total impunity, without fear of a consequence or fear of anything, you can send the president to prison based on an anonymous whistleblower allegation. You have the chance to do it right now. No repercussions, nothing. There are tens of millions of Americans who would do it. And do you know what these Tessio Republicans demand of us? They demand that we work with a group of people who would send the president to prison because they just don't like him and they feel like it. It's bizarre. I'm just, it is. What I have discovered in a lot of Republican circles is this. Lots of them tell us what we want to hear. That's what they tell us. They tell us what we want to hear. But what we want to hear, ladies and gentlemen, it isn't pertinent to winning. Winning necessitates that we hear what we need to hear in all of its uncomfortable truths. I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear. You know, standard fair republicanism, right? What you want to hear. You know, what, you know, we're great. We did it. You know, that, you know, 2016, you know, like we're going to do it again. And, and I'm all for that, right? I'm not saying I ain't, but I could hear that anywhere. Give me something I need to hear. See, that's, that's one of the, the geniuses of the Trump campaign from 16 going into 20. The president sat down and he said, what are the, what do the people who are most likely to vote for me, what do they care about? What do they give a damn about? But before the president did any of that, you know what he did before he did any of that? He sat down with his advisors and he asked them this question. Is there a pathway to victory? Is there an actual pathway? Well, you know, Mr. Trump, there is. It'll be tough, but you got to have this happen. Got to get a couple lucky bounces here or there. And look, everybody gets a lucky bounce. Every team gets a lucky bounce. The same number of lucky bounces. Good teams know how to exploit it and take advantage of it. So the first question the president had is, being the pragmatist he is, am I going to be able to win, a, win the election? Well, yes, but it'll be difficult. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. What about the next question? What are the issues people care about? What do they care about? And these people... The Democrats who are out there to take your children, your money, and your freedoms. The Democrats who want to update the Constitution, living and breathing. I prefer what Justice Scalia said. It's an enduring Constitution. He would he would joke and say it's a dead document, but then he would say it's an enduring Constitution. The Democrats want to rewrite it, need to make it modern and progressive. I mean, that's the you might as well have if based on the Democrat logic, you might as well have a government that that legislates just based on polls. And the and the Tessio Republicans, they demand of us that we that we compromise with these Democrats, that we that we don't take a side, and that we're neutral, and that we're bipartisan. Maybe that at one time made sense somewhat. Maybe it did at one time, but it is. And, and even if it's well intended with some of these Republicans, it is grossly naive. I mean, it's divert. It's the same as Pete Buttigieg saying defeating climate change may perhaps be more difficult than the Nazis. Well, Senator Rubio, Marco Rubio, our Florida senator, well, he just so happened to be this week's Tessio Republican here at the Ritz Loja Show for the first time. Now, you may be wondering, Rich, what did Senator Rubio do to receive this esteem recognition? as a Tessio Republican for the first time here at the Rich Loja Show. Well, don't worry, guys. We're going to have our Tessio Tuesday video for you on our newsletter tonight. And again, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it is the best Tessio Republican video we have done. Honestly, if I were Senator Rubio and I saw this video, I might resign. I really might retire. And I try to like Rubio. Like, I honestly do. I, I I try, I try my real best. Like, I've tried to be objective about this. I try to like the guy. And I always come to you week in and week out. And I always say how, oh, your selection is a Tessio Republican. It's not personal. It's strictly business. But I want to say something to Senator Rubio as I talk for, with you guys for a few moments here. It actually is personal for me this week in the selection of Senator Rubio as a Tessio Republican. So last week, on, or this past Monday, we had our red flag laws. Red flag laws are too good to be true. I had a clip in there from Senator Rubio. Senator Rubio, you want to ask, what did he actually do, right? What, is, what did he do, Rich, to get the Tessio 
to star as this week's Tessio. Well, Marco Rubio is probably the number one GOP cheerleader across the country for these red flag laws. He probably is. He's probably the number one. If he ain't number one, he's he's just as high as anybody else in in selling the narrative that if we had red flag laws, Parkland wouldn't have happened. Senator, that is simply not true. My question is this, though. Do you actually believe what it is that's coming out of your mouth right now? Do you actually think that? Because here's what I know, Senator. You always talk about, I'm not going to take a side. I'm not going to get wrapped up in that. I'm going to remain neutral. I want to be bipartisan. Excuse me, Senator Rubio. What do you think would have happened if the framers of our nation, our great republic, can you imagine if they'd been neutral? Can you imagine if the framers had said, no, 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 I've got to be down the middle. Got to be, I've got to be, I can't take a side. I've got to compromise. It's okay to compromise when you're dealing with reasonable people, Senator. But what you've decided to do, just like Sal Tessio in The Godfather, who intentionally betrayed the Corleone family, you're propagating the, all this BS narrative and propaganda about this, about red flag laws and how they're going to all save us. All you're doing is selling peaceful slavery disguised as bipartisan utopianism. And just like Tessio, you, Senator, have gone against the America First nationalist family of voters, people who were tired of Democrat politicians, and they're tired of wishy-washy Republican democrat light lawmakers who want to play nice, and they want to get their name in the Washington Post, and they want to have an interview on CNN and MSNBC so they can be liked and respected by their opposition, the people, Senator, who will never, ever vote for you. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you don't represent, that you shouldn't represent the people who didn't vote for you. But let me explain, Senator. Maybe your high-priced advisors never taught you this. So I'm going to give you a little bit of free advice from an, from an idiot in South Florida. You want to represent the people who didn't vote for you? There's two ways you do it. And here's how you sell it, Senator. I'm going to give you some sales pitching right here to do. Number one, the people who didn't vote for you, you have a responsibility to ensure that they are kept safe and secure. So here's how you do it, Senator Rubio, this week's Tessio Republican. You go to the people who didn't vote for you and say, you know, ma'am, sir, I know how you feel. My job is to, oh, you didn't vote for me? Doesn't matter. My job is to keep you safe and secure. That's why we're going to build a wall. Yep, we're going to build a wall. Number two, it's also my responsibility to ensure that your constitutional rights, your guaranteed liberties are upheld and affirmed, and that government doesn't interfere with those rights. That's why we're going to continue to nominate the. We're going to continue to confirm the 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 judges the, on the federal judiciary as well as the Supreme Court that President Trump puts forward. So we're going to build a wall to keep it safe and secure, and we're going to keep getting originalist, textualist judges on the federal courts and the Supreme Court to uphold your laws. Oh, but Senator, what about the? I don't like the tax cut. Oh, Senator, I, I don't like that. I don't like we're out of the Iran deal. That's very nice. I'll take it under advisement, but that's not my problem. You don't like it? Go win an election. See, that's how Senator Rubio could go about it, but he doesn't. He doesn't. And the reason he doesn't is because he's obsessed with what the Democrats think about him. Senator, you weren't elected to give Nancy Pelosi what she wants. And I'm not going to sit here and try to make a psychological diagnosis or a psychiatric diagnosis. But if you're in a position as a lawmaker and your responsibilities are to ensure the stability of all the important issues in our country, and you're obsessed over what others think about you, with all due respect, Senator, you need to resign because you are not qualified for that job. These national issues, they're not a movie, damn it. They're not entertainment. They're life or death. They're families. They're, it's, it's our families. It's our well-being. It's our freedoms. It's our businesses. It's our livelihoods. I'm not saying we can't have disagreement here and there from time to time, but Senator, how dare you come into this position 
when the only damn reason that you were elected is because of how terrible the Democrats are you go up against. And you're, and, and our reward here in Florida for knocking on doors in the middle of August summers in Florida where it's 500 degrees, the volunteers, the people who sacrificed their time with their families and, and their businesses, they gave up, they, they, they gave up personal enjoyments to go knock on doors, lick stamps, make phone calls, get you elected. And you turn around and you try to tell me that I'm going to, that I'm supposed to live under a law from Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats and the, and the, and the Democrats in Florida who were the primary culprits behind why something like Parkland happened. The people who failed in Parkland, the same ones who failed are now trying to get you and me, ladies and gentlemen, to live under red flag laws that infringe upon potentially our First Amendment rights, our Second Amendment rights, our Fourth Amendment rights, our Fifth Amendment rights, our Sixth Amendment rights, and our Fourteenth Amendment rights. And we got a senator, a Republican, who's actually selling the alleged features and benefits of red flag laws. Senator, do you actually believe what is coming out of your mouth? Because if you actually do, you need to step down immediately because you are not qualified to do this job. Excuse me, Senator, we don't compromise with the opposition. We seek to conquer them because the way to uphold our freedoms, our liberties, is to conquer the opposition, not follow your demand that we are bipartisan and that we compromise and we and we're and and we'll work together and oh I won't take a side. Excuse me, Senator Rubio, you were elected expressly and explicitly to take a side. And the side that you were elected to take was the side of America first. So let me say to you, Senator, what I as a first time Tessio Republican here at the Ritz Logis show, let me say to you what I say to all Tessio Republicans. Don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. Ever. And remember, guys, in The Godfather, Tessio may have been smarter than Clemenza, but Clemenza was always more loyal. And in politics, and in preserving our great nation, Senator, a republic, if you can keep it, remember this. Loyalty always trumps smarts. The Rich Show.com. Welcome back to the Rich Logis Show, guys. You know, I try to keep my cool. Like, I, I you know, I, I, I like to consider myself a real. I, I would be a terrible politician. I, I know I would be. Because on a debate stage, I, I just, I'd look at Rubio and, you know, or, or these Democrats, you know, any of them, any Tessio we've got. You can find all the Tessio Republicans. You'll, when you click on the link tonight, for the Rubio video, we'll take you to all of our other Tessio Tuesday videos. We've got a bunch of them. We got Willard Romney. We got uh, Mike Lee. We got Will Hurd from Texas. Mike Turner from, from Ohio. Joni Ernst from Iowa. Paul Ryan. You know, we've got a bunch of Tessios. And it's, and I love your guys' comments out there. Thank you so much for all the Tessio Tuesday comments because we, there was a commenter yesterday on our video. And, and he, he said, you know, and I agreed with him afterwards. He said, you know, it's amazing that you actually can, that you can actually have a different Tessio every week. And I said, yeah, I wish that weren't, honestly, I wish it weren't the case. Truthfully, guys, I wish there weren't really a need for a Tessio Tuesday video series, right? I mean, you know, honestly, I, I, I trust me, I love doing them. We hold to account the Democrats are, are, are see, Freudian slip, right? Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. The Republicans who basically look like Democrats to us. We didn't elect Republicans to give Democrats what they want. I don't think these guys get it. But then again, I say that. But I think Rubio understands exactly what it is that he's doing. And in his little bizarre utopian world, he's got this right to be right. Because he, you know, I'm I'm duly and democratically elected. That's true, Senator. But you weren't elected by the people who didn't vote for you. You do know that, right, Senator? So, So you guys out there with those comments, thank you so much. We'll have the video for Rubio tonight. And you know, guys, look, I, I always say this all the time. Let me just give you a quick preview for, for Monday. And let me be serious with you for a moment. Okay. And, and look, I did, I was being real with you guys on, I always say it's not personal, it's strictly business because that's the line from the Godfather. I take, I take Rubio a little bit personally though. I, I'll be honest with you. I actually do like the way that he talks about this. 
I, I do take it a little personal. And I, and I think it's probably because I voted for him. I held my nose, but I did vote for him. And as my senator, I, I, take, a, I take a little bit extra more umbrage from what it is that he's saying. He's trying to sell me Democrat policies, not an interested senator. If I wanted a Democrat, I'd have voted for a Democrat. So, so to be serious with you guys for a moment, just real quick as a preview for, for Monday, I, I would consider myself someone who has a very, very high threshold for offensiveness and shock. It, it's it's tough to, to get me really shocked. And it's tough to really offend me. That doesn't mean that I don't recognize something that is offensive or or shocking, but I don't generally, I'm not generally shocked or offended by most of what I see. Well, I'm going to talk to you on Monday about something that sincerely, and I'm not just saying this for shock value or performance value. I want to talk to you guys on Monday. I'm going to bring you a segment about a video that I just saw. And I'll play, we'll have a couple clips for you on it. It's a video that utterly shocked me. And, and it just didn't shock me. It saddened me. It, 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 it unnerved me. And, and the reason it did, it's not that I was surprised by the video. Okay. I'm not really sure. Sur- See, I always say in politics, nothing is, nothing is coincidental. And it's why I always say with all respects to everybody out there, if you're not kept up at night by what Democrats do, if you don't, if, if I ask you, give me an issue to Democrats sell that doesn't, that keeps you up at night and you can't name me one, with all respects, you're not paying close enough attention. You're not paying close enough attention. And it's like I say to Rubio, if you're a Republican who sides against us, you're a Democrat. You are a Democrat if you don't, if you're not siding with America first nationalism. Sorry, but you got to take a side. Just like our founders had to take a side and create a new republic. I'm going to talk to you about a video that just utterly shocked me and it saddened me. And it all ties into our first book that'll be coming out next year, 10 Warning Signs, Your Child is Becoming a Democrat. Until next time, this, this I hope you guys, hope I kept a promise. I thought that today might be the one of the best shows we've ever done. Give it to Rubio. Send it to your friends. Let, the, let those in your life know, hey, look, this is how important our constitution, our foundational principles really are. So I hope I kept my end of the bargain and kept that promise with you. Just a quick reminder, guys, if you had not subscribed, please get to the com. Our podcasts, articles, videos, everything we've got is there. Until next time, I am humbled and I am honored as always, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Rich Logis. You have been listening to The Rich Logis Show. Until next time, talk to you guys soon. You have been listening to The Rich Logis Show. Deemed dangerous and inappropriate to Democrats and Tessio Republicans. To continue the conversation, connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Logis. Make sure to subscribe and never miss an episode.